testimonies of what God is doing in the midst of the fight without having seen the, the, the conclusion without having seen the, the finish of it by faith even you're saying you know here's the deal God is I'm, I'm walking through this and I'm dealing with that and, and, and in the midst of it there's hope in the midst of it there's confidence in the midst of it God is, is working out all things for good according to those that are called according to his purpose and that's me testimonies testimonies are, are you know here's the deal because not everybody is at the end if all we ever do is share testimonies of well here's how it worked all the way out to the end because it's safe for me to say it now because I know it's going to work out just fine it's really you know almost you're kind of putting yourself on the line when you share a testimony that hasn't finished yet because you don't know how it ultimately is going to end but in the midst of it there's still a testimony for example been working and believing and doing all that we can do to stand with getting the visas for the Romanians that are coming from yeah go ahead and take a seat we'll be standing up in just a moment we're actually going to go back to the very first song you guys sang, if we could. We've been working and doing all that we can do to, to fulfill the requirements for the visa, for visas, for the eight people that are coming from Romania. And at every turn, at every turn, we're being told no. We're being told, no, they can't come. No, there's no chance. Tell you what, maybe if you just try to bring one over or two over. Because the whole, you know, the whole deal is, is they have to prove that they're not going to stay here. So now how do you prove that you're not going to do something before you even have a chance to do it? Exactly. That's kind of this catch-22 we're running into is they have to prove that they're not going to stay here, that they're going to go home. But how do you prove to somebody that you're not going to stay here and that you're going to go home? <laughs> There's only one way to go, and that's up. That's the only, that's where you go from there. But in the midst of it, there's hope. Even in the midst of being told no, it's not possible. Even in the midst of saying no, it isn't going to happen. Even in the midst of, the, of the, everybody in authority telling you now there's really no chance. It's just better to cut your losses and, and do something easier. But here's my testimony. Because I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't. I, I, you know, I believe it's going to turn out good. My, my hope and my faith is out there that all eight of them <laughs> will stand here and testify. That's what my hope is. That's, what my, that's where I'm putting my hope and my faith. But we don't know. And, and many of you are going through things right now that you don't know yet. How it's ultimately going to end. You hope it's going to turn out good. Your faith is out there. You're, you're trusting and believing. But what do you do in the meantime? 
What do you do? Because that's where all of us are at, aren't we? We're in this meantime. You know, it's great to hear somebody give this testimony about, oh, God miraculously did everything we hoped and thought and we desired. And, you know, you look at him and you clap and you go, praise God on the outside. In the inside, you're going, jerk. Maybe not jerk. That's pretty strong. Oh, great. Yeah, sure, you got what you wanted. But what about me? I haven't got what I needed and wanted yet. Or it's not looking like I'm going to get what I need and what I want. Or what do we do in the middle of it? Because that's where it's real. The end is real too. Obviously the end is real. And that's awesome. And books are written about what happens at the end. But what about in the middle? What about in the middle? What do we do? stand, we rest, we believe, we hope, we, we confess, we do all of these things. But there's something that you can't do. And this is the thing the Lord's been just having on my heart all morning this morning. There's only, there's something that you can't do in the middle of it that only He can do. And that's peace. That's peace. You can't you can't work up peace. You can't train peace. Peace only comes from knowing Him. And in the middle of it, it's in, and it's from that peace that you can rest. It's in that peace that you can hope, that you can confess, that you can stand. In the middle of it, man, if we can learn that, that's... And that isn't something that we go, okay, that's it. From now on, I have peace. No, it's in the middle of going, you know what, God? Here's the deal. I can't do this. I can't solve this situation. And I can't work up the conclusion the way I want it to. I can't make it happen. But it's in the middle of it that we can have peace. Because he said... He says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Because peace, you know, the world says, just have peace. Okay, do that for me. Everybody right now, just have peace. But in him, knowing who he is, trusting in him, going, okay, God, I am absolutely 100% at a loss for figuring this out in your hands now God and it's in the midst of that that there is peace I've been in a number of different situations in my life where things were looking pretty bad and in the midst of it there was peace now I've also been in situations where I was in the middle of it and I didn't have peace but it wasn't because God wasn't doing it it was because I wouldn't let him do it because I was trying to figure it all out I was trying to work it I was trying to to manipulate the situation. I was trying to control it. That peace only comes from knowing Him and letting Him have it. So here we are. We're in a situation where everybody's saying no, everybody's saying it isn't going to happen. Everybody says there's no way. And then, you know, just, just alone getting the visas, that's only one part of the equation because then we need all the money it takes to fly them here. 
How's that going to happen? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. This morning, I, I look at the calendar. <laughs> Woo! Things are looking right for a miracle. But this, in your life right now, in your life, you have opportunities to doubt. You have opportunities to fear. You have opportunities to just even give up hope because, you know, what else is there? It isn't going to happen according to all the experts. It's impossible. It doesn't happen that way anymore. You know what? It's at that moment when you have no other hope. You actually, it actually starts getting easier because, okay, there's nothing I can do about this now. We, I think the key, one of the keys is to learn to get there quicker. Is learn to get there just like that. Okay, you know what, God? I I wanted to work this. I want to work this out. I really because I'm the kind of person who wants to get the answers and do all the right steps and make it happen. In it, there's peace. When I was talking to Dan and Marta. Wednesday, we were talking. We were like, you know, everybody's saying it's not going to happen. Everybody, they say, you know, they say, well, where are, what are our options? We talk. Well, here's what everybody's saying. What if just one of them comes? Or what if just four of the four men just come? But as I as I pray about this, I think about that. I don't have peace of that. I wish I did because it'd be a lot easier. I can, I, you know, I can wrap my head around four. And even the consulate saying, well, if you just send four. We'll, we'll really consider it. So, I mean, you know, there's that possibility. We could go that way. And maybe we do end up going that way at some point. I don't know. But at this moment, I don't have peace in doing that. And whatever your situation is, you know, you're, you're looking at all of your options and, and you look at, well, this could work and that could work and this may work and so on and so forth. But you get to that point where you go, okay, well, if I, if I do option A, do I have peace? No. I just don't. What, 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 what is that peace? I can't tell you. It's just peace. I wish I could scientifically describe it, you know, and quantify it for you. Or if I take step B, do I have peace? about C. I have, I have peace about C. Yeah, I'm okay. I, you know, at this moment, I could, yeah, C's alright. What about D, E, F, G, H, I? And then you just rest in all of them and say, okay, God, here's the deal. You're God. But there's peace. Peace you can't understand. It just doesn't make any sense. Peace that passes all understanding, the word says. How does that feel? What? What? Give, give me an example of that. Well, years ago, 1999, I was on a mission trip. Pastor Greg was there. Others were there. We were on a stage in Belarus, and I grabbed a microphone. And I'd already been holding on to another microphone. I went to grab the second microphone to hand it to somebody else who was asking for one, and 220 volts went through my chest. Couldn't let go. I couldn't. It just, everything went white. All I heard was a roar in my ears. 
and it just everything was was shaking. And I couldn't. I, all I could think of was Jesus. I yelled, "Jesus!" Fell to the ground. When I fell to the ground, the one microphone got knocked out of my hand. Stopped the flow. Burns. I still have the burn marks on my palms where the electricity went, went through and entered and exited. Laid there. People come running over. <laughs> good, good friend of mine. I'm laying on my back and I'm looking up and all I can see is the ceiling of the... And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, okay, I'm still alive. Okay, I'm laying there and I'm, so I'm still alive. And all of a sudden this friend of mine, Tommy O'Dell, puts his, puts his head over and he goes, someday you're going to laugh about this. <laughs> So I finally get, you know, I'm able to get up and we walk outside and a doctor is there and she listens to my heart and she goes, you know, because she, she had a stethoscope. Who walks around with a stethoscope in their pocket? A doctor, I guess, you know. She listens to my heart and she goes, your heart's not beating right. Here I am in a third world country. Heart not beating right. Just got hit with 220 volts. Who knows what's going to happen next? Who knows what it did to my inside of my body? I immediately started thinking of my wife and son. Ethan was, had just been born. He was, he was less than a year old. All those thoughts start racing through your head. But the thing that was the most amazing to me was in the middle of it was peace. I mean, it's just the strangest thing in the world. In the middle of it thinking, yeah, I could die right now. I could. It's just very possible that my heart will stop beating and I can go on to meet the Lord. And there was a peace. It was just absolutely amazing. I'll never forget it. That's happened at a couple different times in situations. Peace. Confidence. A little bit here. I'm going to share about confidence confidently knowing that God is in control no matter how no matter what the situation is testimonies sharing that testimony in the middle because that testimony in the middle in many ways I think is, is, is as powerful if not more powerful because you don't know what's about to happen you don't know what's going to play out in the days to come but in the midst of it, you can share to somebody else, there's peace. There's, there's confidence that God's got this thing in control. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm going to have them sing that first song that they were singing again today because as I was getting ready, just putting my notes and things together, and I heard that song being played, there was a... There was a that song just really ministered. I was like, that is what, exactly what's on my heart today.
a common theme that I just constantly hear in my spirit is don't buy the lie. No matter what, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you see ahead of you, don't buy the lie. Don't. We serve the Almighty God. We have unfailable truths. He's our protector. He's our healer. He's our God. We serve the Almighty. Don't buy the lie. No matter what circumstance you're going through, no matter what, it doesn't matter what it is, the Bible is truth. Plain and simple. Truth is truth. You don't, there's no different perspectives of the truth. Truth is truth. You don't twist truth. You don't see it from a different eye. You don't change your perspective. Truth is truth, period. Period. Don't buy the lie. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was really bitter for a long time because it was so hard and I had struggled so much. And for a long time, I was so angry and just so, like, how come it was so hard? Why did it? You know, I was looking for this big, great big answer, big, you know, like, speech from God as to why I went through what I went through. And all he said to me was, you made it, didn't you? I mean, I almost fell on the floor because it was so simple and it was so, but it's not always what you're expecting it to be. It's not always going to be a, you know, a chariot riding through a city and, you know, like, sometimes just making it is good enough. You know, sometimes just getting by is good enough because what's the alternative? At least we serve a God that gets us through, that protects us, that no matter what we think, no matter how we feel, as long as we're not buying that lie, he's going to be there for us, period. With the other things that I'm dealing with right now, the only thing that just keeps constantly coming up in my spirit is don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. Because once that happens, it's over. Once that happens, it's so hard. Truth is truth. God's way of preparing me for the next step. And the next step is I found out just within the last week or so that I have breast cancer and I am going to do another journey. And um, as I was looking and praying about this and, and seeing God's head move because I said, God, how are we going to glorify you through all this? This is for your glory. 
but how can cancer glorify you? But then I started thinking, I started looking back, and I've always prayed that God would precede our steps. And um, this past year, Bob's work, um, he went like almost six months without pay. And we struggled through that. And then, um, as, as it turns out, his income was lowered, which gives us the ability to go under medical assistance to pay for my my surgery because we don't have insurance. So we go, wow, God preceded our steps there. And I was very thankful for that. And um, um, we're going through the fire. We're being pressed on many sides. Um, we tried to sell our house and with the economy the way it is, it turned upside down and we couldn't even sell our house for what we owe on it. And so we're losing our house. And um, with Bob's work the way it was and with you know the news that we're going through now but see God knew all this ahead of time and God prepared our steps ahead of us and we are cradled in his love and in his hands and um, I am thankful for that because when you go through things you don't even know what's ahead you can have the peace of God because you know that he's in control and um, he'll get us through this and last week I wasn't here at church but I did go online to listen to Pastor John's sermon, and it blessed me. It blessed me so much because um, when he was talking about the Israelites, when and when, um, when Moses parted the Red Sea and the Israelites went across on dry land, the Egyptians came right behind on the same dry land until God decided to wipe out the enemy. And I believe you said God can use us as bait come a little closer and I'm thinking you're close enough stamp on him I'm ready for God to destroy the enemy and so I'm standing on his promises and I am very blessed that the church has loved and lavished on me and really has um, made a difference for me thank you Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. It's along the same lines as what God's already been doing this morning, already ministering to us. Just a reinforcement of it. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, for all of you, I, pray, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let me read that again without stumbling. 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. What is the good work that he has begun in us? Is the good work prosperity? (laughs) Is the good work total and complete healing? Is the good work a brand new Cadillac? Or a brand new F-150, depending on your... uh, Or electronic gizmos galore. What is that good work that he has begun in us? I propose this morning that the good work that he began in us is salvation. Salvation. Now, salvation is a very loaded word. It incorporates everything that everybody else was just using. But, it isn't those things specifically. How do you know that you are blessed of God when you get that trinket you need, or want, or desire? No. Or when everything is working perfectly in your body. Are you know that you're saved when everything is working perfectly in your body? No. Because the older you get, the more goofy things don't work the way they're supposed to. Filter, 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 filter. Pages, pages keep coming up. They keep getting filtered out. You want to help me, Deb? What is salvation? Salvation is... God working in our life to complete what he has started. Salvation is us becoming who he's created us to be. In many ways. It has more to do with your character. And how you act, how you behave, how you live your life. Than it does the stuff. Now, is the stuff unimportant and unattainable? Absolutely not. He's given us the ability to do all these different things. He's given us healing. He's given us prosperity. He's given us all these things. But he's all of these things are working together for the good of who for those who are called according to his purpose. The ultimate thing, though, is his kingdom moving forward. That's how this ties together today. With you know, the I was praying, Lord, you know, how do I speak about kingdom this week? And I was getting nothing. It wasn't until I heard the word confident. And as soon as I heard that word in the Spirit, it was like, boom. I knew exactly. It's about being confident that he who has started something in you can complete it. Confidence. Peace. Peace is part of confidence. if If you're all worked up, if you're all out of peace, 
in whatever situation you're in, then you're not confident. If you're nervous and agitated and you're, and you're frustrated and you're, you, know, you want to see a different, a different answer to this, this problem that's not seeming to get fixed, and it's easy to fall into that lack of peace. It's easy to fall into not having confidence in Him. It is. It's, I mean, it's human. But He wants us to be superhuman. That in whatever situation you're in, you're going, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm confident that God's working, all, working it for my good. He's working the situation for His good. For the kingdom's good. The interesting thing about this is when Paul is writing this. When was Paul writing this? From where was Paul writing this? He gives us a hint in the next couple of verses. In the next couple of verses, keep reading, verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Paul, at the point where he's saying... I am confident, and be confident, that all these things are working out, that all these things are are working for good. At that moment, he's in prison. That would be a bummer. By anyone's standard, it would not be, you know, describe your perfect moment in God. Prison would not be part of it. Being in chains would not be part of it. But he says, I'm confident that God is going to work this out. He's going to, he's going to bring you to completion. Everything he started. And I believe, I, I believe he's thinking that of himself. He says, I'm believing that everything that God has started in me is going to work out for good. It's going to work out for the gospel's sake to be preached around the world. Did Paul want to be in prison? No, probably not. Did he want to sit around in chains? No, probably not. But because of what he was going through, the purpose of God was being fulfilled. Why do we suffer the things that we do? Why do we have to go through the things that we do? We live in a fallen world where stuff happens. But we can be confident That in the midst of all of that, he has a purpose. Did he cause it? No. Where where do bad things happen? John 10.10. Jesus says, I've come to bring you life, and life more abundantly. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But we do live in this system. We do live in this world. It's the way things are right now. The whole of creation is groaning and and desiring for this thing to work out and for this thing to get you know get get settled out and get it you know for for the for evil to be taken out of the world. But here we are, and until we get out of here, or until evil is completely eradicated from the earth, here's the system we live in. Satan's trying to kill you, trying to destroy you. He's stealing from you. And Jesus has given you life, and life more abundantly. And you're in the middle, working with whoever you decide to work with. You can believe God, 
Or you can believe the devil. Totally up to you. It's your choice. But Paul says to them, I'm confident, I'm confident that what has been, has been begun in you, being confident, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day of Christ Jesus, has that happened yet? So it's still being worked out, isn't it? How do you know when he's done? We're there. Until then, your work, it's, it's working out. Because, oh, I guarantee you that if you all took stock, hypothetically, George, <laughs> hypothetically, if we took stock, you have some stuff in you that still needs to be worked out. And you're not completed yet, are you? But we can be confident... That in the middle of whatever it was working in our lives, whatever is happening in our lives, we can be confident that he's working it and will work it out to completion. Confidence. That word confidence or the word peace that we were talking about earlier is a very interesting concept. It doesn't mean that there's a lack of opportunity to fear, to doubt, to, to be agitated. Whatever. It doesn't mean that what's happening around you is not in turmoil, because it usually is. But it means that in the middle of it, you're not rattled. I want to give you two different examples. One I shared a couple of weeks ago, and I just felt like I was supposed to share this example again. It was that dream that I had when I was laying in the hospital with the, the heart palpitation thingy. That's the non-technical term. Atrial fib. And in it I said that I saw Jesus. In this dream I saw Jesus. And, and, and when, I was at, when it seemed like the worst possible moments, Jesus was just sitting over on the side. Like this. Now, I mean, this is bad. It's, you know, the situation is bad. The situation is, you know, grave. And in the middle of it, he's just sitting there. Why? Because he's confident that he's going to work it all out for my good. He's not worried about how it's going to turn out because he knows how it's going to turn out. And that whatever, however it turns out is going to be for my best interest. It's going to cause the most possible growth, the, the most possible uh, growth for the kingdom that it could be. The second example is very much like it. When, when I thought of, when, when, you know, when I had this one you know, in my mind, the other one popped into it. Is when De uh, Ethan was born. He hadn't been born yet. Deb was, uh, was in preeclampsia. You ever watch Downton Abbey? Wasn't that a horrible episode, guys? For just, oh. It's even worse when your wife actually had that and was dealing with that exact thing. I mean, I, I'm watching this going, no, I don't want to watch this. No, I don't need to watch this. I kept trying to turn on the Super Bowl, and she wouldn't let me do it. No, that wasn't the Super Bowl night. That was a different night. But they airlifted her to the air, to the air, from River Falls to, to uh, Children's in St. Paul. United Hospital, over there. Eight minutes. Do you know it takes eight minutes for a helicopter to get from River Falls, Wisconsin, to United Hospital? It's amazing. I said, how was the ride? You know, she didn't really care. I said, she was lost on her. She didn't really... Uh, 
But I, you know, they said, we'll meet you up there. They will not do anything until you get there so that you can be there. So I, I you know, got in my car. I drove over. It took me longer than eight. took me nine minutes to get there from. <laughs> <laughs> so I get there, and I park the car, and I go upstairs, and, and she's in a room, and there's people running. I mean, there are literally people running in and out, and they're doing different things. And, and one of the uh, officials, I don't know who it was, you know, came out of the room and said, here's what we're going to do. We have to, have to, the child has to be born today, so we're going to deliver the child. We will do absolutely everything that we can to save his and your wife's life. Or the child's, because they didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. The child and your wife's life. We will do whatever we can, but the child has to be born now. And I want you to introduce you. This person says, I want to introduce you to the doctor. So here I am. Imagine, absolutely, the, my whole life is completely up in the air. Because there's the doctor in River Falls after they took me out of the room because they, they're telling my, you know, they're telling Deb, hey, we're going to take you over to United Hospital, yeah, and you're going to get to ride in the helicopter because an ambulance isn't available. They didn't want to scare her. Her blood pressure was 180 over 130. They didn't want to raise, you know, get her more agitated. They take me out of the room and they went. Your wife is in grave danger. They said, there is, there is a chance she may not make it through the night. But we're going to do everything we can. Whew. Life totally up in the air. Absolutely messed up. I'm in there. Everything's just a, just a whirl. I mean, it's like people are going in and out. And, just, and I'm inside me. I'm, just, I'm a, in a whirl inside as much as outside. And they said, well, we want to introduce you to the doctor, the surgeon who's going to be, who's going to be delivering the baby. And they take my hand, because I you know, can't even hardly walk, think, or anything else. And they start leading me down this hallway, and she goes, I want to introduce you to Dr. So-and-so. I can't remember what his name was. The doctor. Here's my first, my first sight of the doctor. He was sitting on the, the nurse's counter, like this, reading a sports magazine. My whole life's in turmoil, you know, and I'm being led across the room or the hallway, and here he is just reading a sports magazine. We walk up to him, and the nurse goes, you know, Dr. So-and-so, I want to introduce you to Mr. Neitzel. It's his wife who are going to be doing the procedure. And he goes, oh, Mr. Neitzel, puts the magazine down. So glad to meet you. He says, We're going to, it's, going to, it's going to be just fine. It's going to be all right. I said, all right. You know, okay, so they, they want to put gowns and stuff. I'm, I'm going to be in the room. So I start to walk away. He picks up his magazine and goes back to reading. <laughs> Do you know what that did in me at that moment? A peace came over me. I thought, if he's not worried, because he's the one who's going to cut this person open and deliver this baby cesarean and all these irresponsible. If he's not worried, and I can't do anything about this, I'm in his hands. It's not the way God is. There's nothing you can do to fix this situation. There's no way you can talk your way out of it, that you can, you can manipulate, that you can twist and turn and make it come out exactly the way you want it to. At that moment, the only thing you can do is put your hope, put your trust, put your confidence in the great physician.
confidence. Confidence. That no matter what happens, what's about to happen, why did he have confidence? Why did that doctor have confidence? Because he'd done this a whole bunch of times. And probably had been in in situations where it was actually worse than what we were about to experience, or what we had been experiencing. He had confidence because he had been there before. He had done it before. And he had seen the cases, every case where it had worked out fine. So he had, he had confidence in what he was... I mean, it would have really been bad had I said, been introduced to the doctor and he'd been in the corner going, Oh, oh gosh, oh, gosh. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> Second opinion. <laughs> God is not sitting up there wringing his hands going, dude, I never even thought of that problem. I mean, man, I can, I can handle water parting in Red Seas, but not what you're dealing with right now. Oh, I mean, now there's a new one. Gabriel, did you see what they're going through right now? Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? Gabriel goes, I don't know. Well, Lord. Let's roll the dice. Let's see what happens. No, he's got a plan. He's been there before. He's done it before. He already knows what's going to happen. And he knows. And, we, and because he's confident, we can be confident that it's going to work out. Now, did Paul get immediately out of prison? No, he spent some time there. But listen to what happens while he's there. Listen to what happens. This is, this is cool. Skip down to... Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Has it, what he was dealing with, has it encouraged, has it advanced the kingdom of God? Absolutely. Because a bunch of people who wouldn't have heard about the kingdom are hearing about the kingdom. The whole palace guard. And everybody who saw him in that situation, and he's confident, and he's walking through it, and going, look what's going on here. These people are getting to hear the gospel. On the outside, they're going, well, if he can be confident in there, and he can be preaching the gospel... It emboldened them to be preaching the gospel. Now, none of us would want a prison ministry. I'm pretty sure. I mean, 24 hours, 7 days, 25 years to life. Prison ministry. But in Paul's situation, he said, I'm confident. This is working out for good. Look what's happening. These people who wouldn't have heard the gospel are now hearing the gospel. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think of Marlene all the time, and whenever we hear testimonies of what she went through last year, and that every turn somebody else got to hear the gospel, and somebody else got saved because of it. Praise God. Praise God for, for the, the whatever, you know, like James says, being, finding it all joy, no matter what we find ourselves in the midst of. Count it all joy. Now, does that mean go, yes, thank you, Jesus, for cancer? No. No, we don't do that. Because cancer is a curse. 
Cancer is the enemy. We treat it like it is. We treat it like George treated it that day. I still remember we, he came out of surgery, had the lymph node taken out. It was cancerous. And he, he didn't want to get put out. I don't, should I tell this story? Is it okay? I'm on too far now. So he, he, we, he came out of surgery. We went into the recovery room afterwards. And I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm all right. He says, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't let him put me out. I had to do it local. And he says, when, they, when the doctor cut it out and they you know, put it in the, in the container, he, go, he, said, he, says, I want to, he said, he told the doctor, he says, I want to see it. The doctor goes, uh, are you sure you want to see it? He goes, yeah, I want to see it. So the doctor goes, well, here it is, holds it up. And George looked over and says, I curse you in the name of Jesus. That's right. That's how you treat that stuff. But the situation that you're going to walk through, whatever it is, you can thank God that he's in the middle of it. You can be, you can be confident that whatever you're walking through is bringing him glory. It's going to bring him glory. And in the midst of it, people who haven't heard are going to hear. People who haven't experienced the grace of God will see the grace of God and experience the grace of God. Does that mean that, that it's going to be fun? Absolutely not. It's, it's going to be a battle. I love that song. That's why we sang that song again. You know, though the earth shakes and the battle rages, our God is still God. And we win. And we win. I want to read verse 6 one more time. Because I like the way it says it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is out of the Amplified Bible. And I am convinced. It's amplified. That joke never gets old. I'm just telling you right up front. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up until the time of his return. That good work and, or developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. That good work, full and complete. Full and complete. Let him do it. Let him do it. So how do you let him do it? You rest in him. You stand. You keep moving forward and going, you know what, God, I don't get all this. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I'm confident that you know exactly what you're doing. And I'm going to follow you all the way to the day that it's completed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.